Welcome to another episode of the Harvest Profit Podcast, where we're sharing with you our story on how we're growing our company, how we're trying to you know, add value to our customers and, and really help our customers put better systems in place, uh, more profitable systems for, for managing the number side of their farming operations. And so welcome to another episode. This is Nick Horb, the founder of Harvest Profit, and today we are interviewing Jared Krishnan, who's our first employee that I ever hired. And so, Jared, you have been with us for over two years now. Yep. You want to give a little background on, you know, you had a, a non, I would say non-traditional path to, yeah. to computer, basically to programming and to, to development. And one of the funnier you know, my impression of your story is you just kind of got thrown into a job that forced you to learn all of this stuff. And do you yeah. want to give us a little background on how you ended up there? Sure. Yeah, I actually went to school for finance, uh, of all things. Uh, I used to work at a bank uh, as a banker on the retail side. So I was, you know, one of the guys wearing a suit, uh, selling credit cards. And I got sick of selling credit cards and I moved into actually working in crop insurance of all things, uh, as an underwriting analyst, and then moved on to a company where I learned how to do development. So after I worked in crop insurance is where I got my first exposure to working with developers in general, because uh, I was helping, uh, at the time, Great American was the name of the company. I was helping them work on their mobile app. Uh, I was helping them work on a couple of their mapping programs um, from the underwriting side. So as an underwriting analyst, I was using these tools to help underwrite policies. Um, and I got a job working for a company called Dog IDs, um, based here out of Fargo. They make dog collars and tags. They're an e-commerce company. And uh, uh, financially at the time, they weren't doing super great. Um, you know, small business, all the travails. And, and so it turns out after months of working there, you know, we did the math and it turns out we couldn't afford to pay an outside development company to do development for us. Uh, and I ended up just picking it up. That was that's that's literally how I became a software engineer. We couldn't afford it, so I started doing it. I, I thought, how hard could this be? And yep, little yep. did I know at the time how hard it could actually be. But it, yeah, it's uh, it, it's something that I actually love. I love it more than uh, when I was working in finance. You know, I liked finance. I always thought that I'd be doing like financial management or you know managing portfolios or something along those lines. Going to school for finance, and in the end, I ended up writing code all day. Yeah, uh, which is the exact like it's just not even the same thing. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, yeah. Well, when I started Harvest Profit, I, I had this vision in my mind that, you know, we would get a product built and then, you know, it would be good and mm -hmm. we could make changes to it if we wanted to, but we wouldn't have to. Mm -hmm. And so I, uh, a lot of people might know my story, but I, I tried hiring some really inexpensive overseas developers and two times I did that. So strike two for me. Uh, and then the pro, you know, just crash and burn. It was terrible code, and I had no idea what what was going on. Uh, so I learned a little bit. I learned to program just enough so I could understand what was going on. Hired somebody local uh, to build the product, and we built the first version of the product, and it cost roughly, let's say, fifty thousand mm -hmm. dollars, and it was an eye-opening experience because there was just there were still hundreds of things we could do to the product like it was it was of a, a finish it was a usable finished product and we actually 
you know, had customers pay us for the product mm -hmm. at that point, and we're happy with it. Uh, it didn't work with, um, you know, didn't work the greatest with lots and lots of fields. Um, there was just a lot of little, you know, data entry pain in the butts of like having to enter data multiple places and then we needed to be able to enter it once and copy it. It's just hundreds of these little features. Mm -hmm. And so realize that, yeah, this is not going to be a, you know, let's spend $50,000 and get a first version of a product built and then spend $5,000 a month on just little features. Um, you know, I shouldn't maybe even not talking in dollars, but it's not going to be a build a product and then spend, you know, 10 or 20, 30 hours a month. It's we need I quickly realized like we need some full time help on it. And I'm guessing that's the same experience you guys went through at Dog IDs where yep. mm -hmm. uh, you had a, a good product that got built, but eventually, you know, the to do list is just never ending. Yeah. And, you know, paying somebody $120 to $150 or more an hour, which is what a good US based Developers development firm, cost. firm mm -hmm. costs, I'm guessing at the time your employer was just, you know, didn't really want to keep doing that. And was yeah. as a small business, you know, maybe that really wasn't in their budget. Is, is that a correct read on the situation? Absolutely. Uh, you know, we were paying probably for 10 hours a week uh, of development time at, you know, about $100, $150 an hour. Sure. And I mean, you do the math there, 10 hours a week at $100 an hour, that's 40 hours in a month. Yep. You know, and that's a significant amount of money. I mean, yep. at the end of the year for us, it was just cheaper for me to do it. Because uh, at the time, I was their e-commerce specialist. So I was already in their website working on stuff. Yep. Uh, and it just kind of fell into it. But it, it's the exact same reasoning. You know, at that point, it just became cheaper to have someone in-house maintain and manage an e-commerce website. And, uh, you know, their situation was fairly unique in that they had a hosted website. So they hosted it themselves. They weren't like paying Shopify or paying big commerce mm -hmm. to host their website. Um, you know, they were hosting it themselves. And in my mind, you know, if you're doing that, it, it does make a lot of sense as you grow from a small business uh, to have engineers themselves working on the site. So you can have somebody all the time, someone on call to fix bugs, someone there to directly reply, reply to people yep. uh, when there are issues. Um, yeah, yeah, same. Yeah, your read is exactly and so you're, correct. <clears throat> you know, just to just to touch base and, you know, I don't know, know who's going to listen to these podcasts, but I wouldn't, based on what you've told me, I wouldn't necessarily say that dog IDs was, you know, in financial trouble, they're just a small business, right? There's yeah, just a limited yeah. budget. It's a, it's a, yeah, continuing. Yeah. Yep. Exactly. It's a, uh, every small business that I've encountered is in a fight is a, in a financial bind. It's always robbing Peter to pay Paul just to keep going, moving forward. And it's usually like, you know, the goal is to get to a comfortable level every single day where you feel like you can continue to maintain your business yep. um, and grow it at the same time. Um, and that's, you know, every small business I've ever worked with uh, yep. or talked with or even sat down and done, you know, consulting work. Yep. Uh, it's always the kind of the same story. Like, okay, well, you know, we've worked with these developers in the past. We can't afford them. Uh, you know, where can we find something cheaper, something easier to do, something easier to maintain and still get the same level of service yep. uh, and the same level of performance from our platform or website? Want to, I don't think I've ever asked you this before. Do you remember what the first maybe not big feature that you worked on or what's the first thing you changed? Dog IDs is an e-commerce site that sells mm -hmm. um, pet accessories and they sell custom 
dog collars and dog tags. Yep. And, and so just to give people a little more background, do you want to touch, but like what's the, you know, the first bigger thing, you know, multiple day project that you worked on there? Do you, do you remember that? Wow. Um, or what's the first one that you, what's the first one you remember? The first one I remember was probably a, uh, a product importer, or I should say an order importer from Amazon. So Duggetty sells products on amazon.com. Yep. But we have, a, or at the time we had, an order processing system that was for our main website, you know, or for doggetties.com. Yep. And so we needed to import products and orders from Amazon into this order system so we could then work on the orders in the same area. So we sure. wouldn't be working in these different places to kind of touch on them. And so we already had code that was importing a lot of orders from Amazon and importing products from Amazon, but my first thing that I built was something that combined these two order lists, like order item lists, into one thing. So sure. we would order, manage all the orders out of the same order queue. Sure. Um, and eventually that turned into uh, an, uh, uh, a desktop app, <clears throat> excuse me, uh, a, a desktop app for actually managing uh, the laser engravers in the office. They have a couple of laser engravers. We eventually built a full-blown like management, a desktop application that managed the laser engravers themselves uh, sure. out using that queue. So it would automatically take you know the tag that someone had typed in online and we would actually take the text from that, put it right into the laser engraver and just begin engraving. Sure. Um, so, I mean, it started off as a couple day project and then turned into like a year long one, but you know, that was, <laughs> that's yeah. kind of the nature of the, yeah, beast, that's the right? nature of every beast that I've ever, yeah, ever worked on. Yeah. Cool. Well, you, you want to touch base. So if anybody hasn't met, well, for people that meet Jared, um, or if you're, you know, if you well meet him, uh, you know, he's doing, you know, more and more customer facing features and, and basically just customer development. You're going to a, a banker conference for mm -hmm. us. And so, um, you know, you, you definitely wear, wear some more hats around here than, than simply just cranking away on code. But one of the things that I've heard from people, myself and my, my opinion included, is that you're quite outgoing and, and mm. extroverted. Yeah. And that, you know, um, we're going to talk to a couple of the other people from the team, which um, are great. Maybe not quite as extroverted as you, and I think that'll probably come across in the in the audio. Uh, but you want to you've explained that to me in the past on, you know, you having to move a lot, and mm -hmm. yep. that probably, uh, you know, you were forced to meet new people, and that, in my interpretation, that's one of the reasons why you are, you know, fairly outgoing person you want to just give us a back an update on your your personal background yep yeah sure so i i grew up actually in uh, uh what i'll describe as western new york so kind of by like lake ontario lake lake erie uh we actually grew up in a small farming town uh, called honey Eye falls or i should say i grew up we didn't grow up nick i grew up in yeah. a small small farming town called honey Eye falls but uh I actually spent a good chunk of my time overseas sure. uh, once I hit about 10 years old. Uh, I actually, my, my family moved. We went to, we lived in India. We lived in Japan. We lived in uh, Australia. Um, so we moved, uh, you know, literally across the world. I've been to almost every continent with the exception of Antarctica now. Um, and yeah, do every time we moved, it's, you know, you got to meet new friends. You got to meet new people. Um, and, you know, you're in a completely foreign country. Uh, you don't speak the language. 
Mm-hmm. You, know, you don't really know anybody. So you kind of go into a classroom and, you know, you have to make new friends. So I kind of had that from day one. And, you know, in my mind, that experience was kind of uh, emphasized later in life, too, as I started to work at the bank, which I didn't, you know, on the retail side, it's very sales oriented. Sure. Right. So it's all about, you know, being able to talk to people, um, you know, just getting out there and being comfortable with yourself and being comfortable expressing yourself to other people. And that was, yeah, it just kind of developed naturally over time. How did you, I'm guessing you performed quite well in those, you know, if they were running contests on, you know, generating, you know, leads or selling products. Did you at at the bank? Yeah, I'd say that I did pretty well. Did Uh, you win any awards or any contests? I don't know. Yeah, they had like uh, quarterly awards that they would do. I have a few of those sitting around somewhere in my house. Cool. Um, You know, selling credit cards isn't really that hard it's just that it's you know the goal is not to sell the people that can't pay it yeah yeah um but this is before wells fargo got caught with opening up fake accounts and all yeah, of the other things yeah. so there's it, it, at the time it was a bit more you know wild west style in terms of selling it was just you know uh but yeah it was uh yeah definitely a different experience definitely a, a very different than software engineering where i spend most of my day in my in my office staring at a computer screen Sure. Uh, versus going out and selling stuff. And so, uh, you know, for instance, we've, we've now been to the Develop With Deer conference twice yep. uh, the past two years. Uh, and so, you know, that's always a really fun opportunity to talk to dealers uh, and yep. talk to actual farmers about stuff. And then we've been to, you know, like Big Iron. We've been to a whole bunch of different events here in the local area, uh, including Grower Days with uh, uh, Budweiser. You know, we've actually been able to go out and talk uh, to farmers. And that's always a, an experience that I relish. Yep. Uh, yep. That's I don't awesome. know if anybody else enjoys it, but I like it. So yeah. plus, there's usually beer at these events, so you know, I'm, I'm, <laughs> I'm, I'm definitely going to. That's go. how, that's always a, a positive, and you're going to be going to a, a banker conference. Yep. Um, I'm not going to be able to attend for some poor planning purposes on my part, um, but that is what it is, and so you'll be. Hopefully, you can, you can get some, some development work done when you're down there in Dallas here in a few weeks. Yep. But that'll be that'll be a, a good opportunity to get in front of people. I do think that some of our best promoters are lenders uh, because they're you know, they they really just want to grow their relationship with their customers and mm-hmm. uh, introduce good tools. You know, at the end of the day, they want to they want to generate low risk interest income, and that's yeah. really our absolutely. We're trying to to flatten out that risk financial roller coaster, the risk roller coaster that farmers tend to, to go down. And if we can help smooth that out, it helps transition the lender from a, you know, a paper pusher, a document requester to more of an advisor. And it frankly makes their jobs from what we've heard, you know, more enjoyable and you know, taking on that advisory role. Mm-hmm. So and it definitely makes the farmer happier because the banker's not calling them. All yeah. Time. Yeah. You know, that's the flip side of it. So I forgot, I forgot to ask, completely changing subjects, uh, you and Cody, another developer on our team, went golfing last week. Yeah, yep. How yeah. To, it was pretty windy. If, it, it, if people haven't been to eastern North Dakota, the wind blows a lot. I guess anywhere in the plains, the wind blow, blows a lot. Who, I told you to keep score of uh, whiffs. Who, who did you keep score? Oh, who man. won? I think I might, I might have Cody beat. Uh, in terms of count of whiffs, like the number, I'm assuming that whiffs is the competitive metric. The number, the number that's higher, sure, is the winner. I think I, I think I may have beat Cody out on this one. Sure, well, I think that was probably the nicest day that we'll have the the end of the year. So it was fun to be able to just mm-hmm. take an afternoon and and get 
out of the office. Yeah, it was definitely windy enough, though, because, I mean, I bought, uh, you know, three balls before we went out, and by the end of the course, I was picking up balls from <laughs> near the driving range because I didn't have because they were gone. Yeah. You know? Oh, I'm with you there. Our office is about a mile away from a, a, a pretty nice public nine-hole golf course, yeah. and so mm-hmm. a couple times... Uh, we've just taken an hour, you know, two or three hours in the afternoon and, and went and did some golfing just to kind of free up our free up our brains and uh, and enjoy the nice weather because we know for a good three, four months of the year, it's going to be mm-hmm. below zero or close to it. So that's fun. You want to just, a, 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 I don't know if I've ever asked you this question either. When you were getting started on the, the dev side, what was your primary learning resource? Um, Google, just Googling things, or did you did you buy books, or did you take any online courses? Well, uh, you know, prior to working uh, here at Harvest Profit, we, we run a Rails stack, so it's Ruby on Rails. Um, you know, talking to a Postgres database, talking to a, a Redis queue that we use for our background jobs that, that run using Rescue. Um, not that anybody. I mean, nobody might know what I'm talking about, but you can always look those things up. And I was familiar with that stack itself um, uh, and the technology that we used ahead of time. I had actually worked with uh, the previous developer that had worked on Harvest Profit. Uh, yeah. And so he kind of familiar, familiarized me with the stack. Um, but outside of that, it really was just, um, you know, looking at Ruby's documentation uh, or Rails's documentation. Um, most of the documentation, most programmers, you know, especially for like web frameworks, uh, their documentation includes examples of how to do most everything. Sure. Um, but the first project that I picked up here at Harvest Profit really was converting all of our code that we had, the, the original version, into React. It was basically rebuilding what we had and building it into, into React components. We could just have JavaScript on the client um, that ran everything. So that way, you know, the client does some of the processing that makes our website a lot faster. It allows us to support, you know, for instance, 100 or 200 or 300 fields. With no problem versus yeah. what we previously had. Probably which, even up to a you know, really any amount. Of fields, literally, right? I don't I don't think there's an upper upper limit. I mean, yeah. we could probably handle two to three thousand, and it still yeah. wouldn't be a problem. Um, not that you should try that right now, but you know, if you do, you should let us yeah. know. Yeah. <laughs> if, you're, if you're farming that large, like let's talk. Um, For those that don't know, you know what we're we're using this framework called Ruby on Rails, mm-hmm. which essentially is the thing that puts data into the database, yep. takes it out, runs calculations, changes it, mm-hmm. and then spits that data back out, which then we grab um, in React and you know sometimes manipulate that again and, and then show it in the browser. And yep. so yep. would it be how I think about it, you know, I know... That's a really good summary. That, yeah, that's a very, very good I know a fair summary. amount about it, but mm-hmm. I th- from a, a layman standpoint, a, our database... We're probably running, just guessing, 20 or 30 different tables, database tables. Yeah, in that range. We're probably on the high end of that. We're probably close to 35, 40. So uh, yeah, yep. we have, I, I would think of each database table as almost like a spreadsheet you know, yeah, yeah. of rows and columns. And then so mm-hmm. Rails is almost like this robotic arm that's like, Putting data back into the table, taking you know, pulling data out, yep. and then being able to run calculations and, and manipulate that data. So I figured I'd just give a little bit of a oh, that's an, a very an, an yeah. overview. Uh, in our first version of Harvest Profit, 
Ruby on Rails did really everything. It would mm-hmm. it would take the data and it would form it into a website itself, and then it would push the whole website up into the browser, and that was quite slow. And so now we're using Ruby on Rails or Rails primarily to just take the data yep. and spit and give that mm-hmm. to React on the front end and display that. So anyway, that's. A, Kind of a long-winded description. We're using Ruby on Rails and React for those that have some sort of interest in in programming. You can you can Google those. Those are the the two primary frameworks that that we are using. You mentioned the first project that you worked on at Harvest Profit. You want to share the story of what happened when we launched that? Oh yeah, and uh, so this was just me and Jared, and I was just working on Harvest Profit part time. I was still doing my consulting, uh-huh. so Jared was joined in August of 2017. Uh, at that time, he was the only full-time employee. Mm-hmm. I wasn't even full-time. So you want to share that story? Yeah. Uh, to, to give you the short version, uh, disaster. And then the longer version was, uh, I'm pretty sure I forgot, like a configuration setting or something along those lines. And so instead of rendering a nice web page with stuff on it, you saw a blank page. Yeah. <laughs> it, was, so, it was just empty. <laughs> so all that time you would spend on your first big project, and then we launched it. And it was just... <laughs> And it just like, yeah. you know, it was like the on off <laughs> toggle was turned off. Yeah. So, but it was a quick fix. Thankfully, I think I just, I think I fixed it in a few minutes, but it was still like a, oh yeah, I'm an idiot. Yeah. And like, that's, <laughs> you know, in a bigger organization, you have a, a couple different layers of, of quality assurance QA to, to catch that. Yep. Um, and you also typically have tests at the time. We, we didn't really have many. That was yeah. kind of the, the next uh, the next project that came along was now we have uh, you know full test coverage on our entire app. We test yeah. it every time we change any code. We actually check to make sure it didn't break any code we already have. Yeah, uh, and that's been a game changer for us uh, yeah. in terms of uh, confidence. Yeah. So, like for instance, as we add you know the ability to import data from outside providers, so we have an integration with LibreCart. Um, we have a, a limited integration with Bushel, and we have an onboarding process with John Deere and with Climate, and we can make sure that all of these tools continue to work even as we change code internally. We can still import everything uh, just fine, but we have these tests to make sure everything still works, and that is what I did not have when I was deploying the React version. The very first, my very first code changes, I didn't have any tests to make sure the stuff worked. It all looked fine on my, on my computer. Yeah, yep. And I, <clears throat> I appreciate that attention to detail and, and adding those tests. It's not, you know, me, I like to see features. I like to see new things. Oh, mm-hmm. But, yeah. you know, even more than liking to see that, you know, you don't like to see bugs and issues. And, at, you know, mm-hmm. there's always going to be, there's always going to be some, some little quirks, some little issues, things that don't necessarily, um, the cases that weren't handled by the tests mm-hmm. that we've built. But at the end of the day, I think you, you've done a great job, you and Jake and Cody, on helping uh, you know, put in place the infrastructure and making that, that investment in making the code high quality. You know, I'm fully confident that we, you know, we're using, you know, there isn't anything that's the best on, you know, there's, yeah. we're using Ruby, you know, there's PHP, there's, uh, Python, Java. Yeah, there's C Sharp, there's Python, there's Java, there's React, there's Angular, there's Vue on the front end. Oh, yeah. But I, I do think we're using, you know, we are using great practices and great technology uh, on par or, you know, of a higher quality than, you know, we're at least on par with anybody out there yeah. in the farm technology space, if not 
um, if not, you know, superior because we can just move faster. We don't have to go through many layers of decisions. Yep. So yep. Absolutely. You and want to, what would be the most, I don't think I've ever asked you this either. I'm asking a lot of new questions. What, what is the beer feature? Together morning. That's the problem. Yeah. It's the morning here. So it's coffee time. It'd be really, <laughs> we're recording this at what time is it? 9.51. If we cracked a beer, I, yeah, we'd probably be in some trouble. We'd have to take a nap. <laughs> What do you what what feature that you've worked on is something is kind of your the most fun that you've had or the most what do you take the most pride in? Well, uh, really, kind of two things, but the the big one, one that I I really I really enjoyed working on because it was so different than anything that we have. We have a, a driver mobile app, um, and so I talked to, we we talked a little bit about React before. The mobile app itself is written in something called React Native, which is a version of React that you can use for native mobile app development. Mm -hmm. uh, I shouldn't say native mobile app development, but that is essentially the, the gist behind it. You can write code that's specific to Android, specific to iOS, and you can keep it all in the same code base, and you can deploy this one React Native app, and you can then have a, an app on both Android and iOS. Mm -hmm. That's actually how our mobile app uh, works. Uh, so if you download the, the either the driver app or the Harvest Profit app itself, um, you'll actually see our React Native code running on your phone. Yep. Uh, and it's pretty powerful. And the, it was so much fun to work on the driver app in particular because you know scanning in tickets was probably one of the most challenging things I've had to try to figure out yep. uh, in a while. I mean, I'm working on something now that is I would consider is on par with that. It's been a lot of fun because I'm working in a completely different language and framework. But I'll keep that. If you want to keep that one on the DL, I'll keep it on yeah, the DL. Yeah, we'll keep that one. Keep that one quiet for now. But this, uh, uh, the driver app was just a lot of fun because it now scans in tickets. So it'll actually look for any squares on the screen uh, or any rectangular objects and then try to map that out and take just a picture of that object and then import that and then use just that image. So you can then upload it into our grain inventory feature and you can actually have drivers. So you can have multiple drivers, as many as you want. Um, operating for your farm if you're paying a contract driver or whatever and they go to they deliver uh to to a scale and you're uh, uh at an elevator and your elevator doesn't you know they just use paper copies still or that's all that you get back is like a simple paper copy or we don't offer an integration with that particular type of elevator mm -hmm. uh, you can then just take a picture of that scale ticket and then put that in the driver app and you can review that ticket whenever you need to if you need to enter in more information or if you ever need to review it or you have an audit uh, you then have all that data at your fingertips. Yeah. Well, that's awesome. I know we've, we've used React Native twice to, mm -hmm. to build our two mobile apps. You know, the, the scanning of tickets, you know, maybe isn't the, the quote-unquote sexy, you yeah. know, new, you know, API-driven thing, but it's something that we knew at least for the next couple years was going to have a use case for our customers, and so we made mm -hmm. the investment and, and built that out. I, I still... I'm pretty proud of what we've built on our, our grain inventory tracking. It's somewhat uh, somewhat outside of our original core product of tracking costs and profits and revenue on a field-by-field -field basis and on an enterprise basis, but it is something that was requested, and yep. I think we've done a good job on, on building that out, and I appreciate the, the work that you've done. And so I know you've been working pretty hard uh, lately, do you have any trips planned? You were going to go to the Boundary Waters, but I don't think you're going to be going to the Boundary no, Waters. No, not anymore. No, I've got uh, some Maybe fun. ice fishing, but that's... Uh, <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, even then, that doesn't sound... You know, camping outside and ice fishing yeah. seems like a bit much yep. in the winter. Um, 
But uh, the only thing I've got really planned is, uh, of course, I, we have that uh, uh, ag banking conference, ag bank conference, ag lending conference uh, coming up. Uh, and then in January, um, my mom and myself and my younger brother are heading out to Florida. Oh, okay. We're going to go see uh, Disney World as adults, I guess. I don't, I don't sure. Know, I don't know what we're going to do. <laughs> yep. But, yeah. Do you... Uh... My mom really wants to go to the Harry Potter land that they have. And I'm like, Mom, you're, you're like... You're 60 years old. Like, yep. you're more excited than I would have been at 12. Like, that's really funny. You know, yeah. So be it, right? Yep. Mm-hmm. Well, you should, in the next week, week and a half, two weeks, you better take, yeah. Before that trip to Dallas, take a day off and do whatever you want. I know you like to play game. You, you like to game a little bit. Oh, yeah. Yep. Yep. I was blown away. Jared was talking about this Red Dead Redemption 2 game, video game. I haven't played video games in 20 years. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. And I watched some people play that on Twitch, this live stream, and it blew me away. It was like real life. Yeah. yeah. Do you have any – are there any new games coming out that – There's a few. Uh, Red Dead Redemption 2 is now coming out for PC. Sure. In just a, a few days here. Um, and uh, But it, in terms of other games coming up, um, man, I guess there's, uh, there's, one, there's a game called by Hideo Kojima uh, is the name of the game director. It's called uh, Death Stranding. Sure. Um, I'm a big fan of Hideo Kojima games. Uh, sure. Played them uh, a whole bunch in the past, and I really enjoyed them. And that's kind of a big one. It's got once again really good graphics, and yep. then it's just a really unique game. It's yeah, I can't describe anything else about it really because I, I, it's really impossible to explain how that game works. I have no idea, but it looks really, really fascinating. Sure. Well, you've been yeah, you've been working your butt off. So the next time one of these games comes out, you have to take a day off. Oh. So I'm forcing you to take. You're gonna give me carpal tunnel syndrome. My game, my hands are gonna be, you know, like frozen to a frozen to a game controller here, Nick. That's uh, you know. Well, don't do that. But I, you know, appreciate the work that you've done in helping get Harvest Profit to where it is today, and and look forward to, to hopefully working with you more. And I know a fair number of our customers have interacted with you, and I think that'll probably increase as we look to. make sure that our customers insight and vision is is baked into what we're building Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. and so if you uh if you haven't talked to jared there's a good chance that you will if you're a customer Uh, and he's a he's an asset to the company and we're glad to have him and and with that jared thanks for coming on the the harvest profit podcast here and thank you for having me we will uh we'll keep plugging away and i'll bring jared on again in the future and he might even he might even lead some of these episodes and just talk about some stuff that we're working on, uh, feature updates, changes. You know, we might even, you know, pose questions or, or use this podcast as a, an opportunity to, you know, to conduct kind of informal research on ideas and things that we have. So I'm sure you'll be, I know for a fact you'll be hearing from Jared again. And so thanks, Jared. And thanks everybody for listening. And we will talk to you next week. Thank you.